When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 4.35 on the dot, time to head to Melbourne Park in Australia. And for the 25th year, the 25th time, Dave Worsley, New Zealand journalist, great PR man, great communicator, joins us. 25 years, Dave. Can you remember who was playing 25 years ago in your first time up? Uh, Thanks, Stephen. Yes, I can, actually. Uh, I remember 1996 was my first uh, tournament here, and they used to give media free tickets, (laughs) except I didn't know anybody in Melbourne at the time. And so that was a waste. Uh, I do now, but uh, yeah, I do remember it was Boris Becker who actually won in four sets. Uh, oh. No, he beat Michael Chang in the final. Uh, that was after beating uh, Brett Stephen in four sets in the third round, I think it was. That, that, I think that was uh, Stephen's best run at a uh, slam, wasn't it? Uh, he made the quarters, no, he made the quarters. in uh, 1993. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but it was a, certainly a decent run making the fourth round, I think it was, before he lost to Boris in four. Talk to me about the changes that have gone on at Melbourne Park. I, I read yesterday that there's some concern of one of the courts which have turned into the... They put a bar next to the court and thought it was like the, the party court, and some of the players don't like it. Uh, yeah, that's right. It is a bar hanging over the uh, court, what is it, six? It's like in uh, golf where some of the tournaments, and particularly Australia, actually, do have that um, bar at the end of uh, one of the... Um, uh, yeah, one of the holes. I think it's, uh, I don't know whether it's the 18th hole or whatever they do. But it's one of those things that if the sport is going to move forward, I'm not saying you should be drinking all the time or anything like that, but you do have to get used to a bit of noise and also some of the crowd being let in during the points as well, maybe not behind the service action. But they're going to have to, tennis is going to have to get used to it because if it stays quiet, don't move, don't do this, don't do that, don't do whatever, it may get left behind. Wow, that's that, that's a that's a big that's a big call, man. Considering that you know, uh, so the people that are going to have to adjust are the players. Yeah, that's right. The players and also the broadcasters to a certain extent, but also the public, the fans, a little bit. It, it's all very nice that they've tried letting here at the Australian Open. One of the rules is that in Rod Laver and other courts, you can let uh, the public back in. They don't have to wait twenty minutes potentially for a new change of ends to come back in when they're paid really big money to actually watch the tennis and yet you're lining up there if you had to go to the bathroom or get something to eat or drink but you know it also comes down to the crowd thinking well oh, I'll come in through another entrance where's my compete oh, I'll just have to move I'll keep on moving while they're about to surf so there has to be a little bit of give and take if I'll call it but you know I really think it is something that the sport has to look at that it can't just be very polite and wait all the time now because that's not what happens in sport anymore in sport, we expect to be instantly served now, and we expect to be able to keep on going rather than let everybody sit down and be polite and make no noise. How much of this is being generated by the need to make more cash? Uh, everything is about cash, uh, whether it's at any grand span, but particularly the Australian Open. Uh, they want to go through the one million mark of spectators, although it does help when you count uh, the qualifying as, uh, as your crowd now. Uh, they are charging for that as well. That extra day of Sunday start is also a massive. They made a heap of money out of that. Oh, wow. And a heap of people came through it as well. So 
Yeah, it's, it's uh, kind of frustrating for a lot of people that they're using the excuse of a Sunday start so we'll have no late nights. Well, I left here at 2.30 this morning. Uh, so the whole excuse of late <laughs> nights is not it. It's, it's not it. That's garbage. They shouldn't have even mentioned that. They should have just said, look, we are willing to give an extra day so that the, the Melbourne public can come along on a weekend and enjoy the tennis. An extra day of tennis enjoyment. Come along. Completely. That would have just been simple. I thought a really good move, Dave, was actually having uh, charity matches that were broadcast. And did, was I right in saying they were pretty much sellouts? Yeah, that's right. Um, a friend of mine, uh, she came along and was in Melbourne just by, uh, for something else and came along and saw Casper um, Ruud and Alcaraz. She thought it was going to be a muck around. Instead, they decided to play a match and um, played a couple of sets and were interviewed at the change of each end and everything like that. Nice. And loved it. Djokovic did the one the day before where he didn't play a match so much against Tiafo, but they did a lot of fun stuff with the crowd and were, you know, doing all sorts of crazy things and trying to beat each other on different, you know, kind of fun points rather than a match. So the crowd loved that as well. So yeah, do that. Um, but that's where you make the money. Let's talk about what's going on in the men's draw. Uh, Djokovic was given a little bit of a scare, even though he came home six three six four. But I got the sense he's becoming the the real the elder statesman of the tour. Yet is still looking so damn good. Yeah, he is looking very good. Although I have to say that after that match uh, against the eighteen uh, year old uh, Croatian qualifier, he did look as though he'd been twelve rounds in a boxing ring. That was probably the worst that I've seen him look after any win, really, huh? particularly in the first round. I mean, it went for four hours, and he was, he was looking tired. His wrist was a little sore, even though he denied that it was uh, too bad. You could see that he was struggling on his forehand. So maybe, just maybe, uh, well, you know, he dropped one set last year on the way to the final and the, the victory. So maybe this was his one set, and it just happened to be in the first round. But I think he'll be... Very happy to have a couple of days uh, up his sleeve to sort of get ready for the next uh, round and go from there. Dave, do you think the Australian poprin will give him a uh, give him a good nudge in the second round? Uh, I think he'll give him a nudge, uh, maybe uh, to a seven-five in one of the sets or something like that. Possibly a set, but it's uh, it's very unlikely that it will be a uh, defeat. So maybe seven-five in one of the sets, and then a three and a two or something like that. Uh, Olga Roon's on court now. I hope I'm not taking you away from your job. He's up against Nishioka. There's a lot of talk about Olga Roon, but we, we haven't seen too much consistency out of him in the last 12 months, have we? No, not really. I mean, Olga's uh, extremely talented. Uh, he's uh, done well against Djokovic as well in the past. Uh, he, he's very uh, talented. I, I, I like watching him play. He can be a grumpy so-and-so. He's only young. Uh, personal dealings with him. He's uh, a nice guy. Uh, but at times, you know, he doesn't really show it on court, that's for sure. But he is, he is talent. He is, uh, he's got to get a little bit more maturity out of himself to actually go further. So, yeah, it's, it's good for people to see him on court. It's a nice warm day here in Melbourne. It uh, hasn't really been that hot so far, but today it's getting there. So I think this will be a good test for him to play on the big court and play in you know, a little bit of heat and the big crowd uh, should be coming back in to watch him play as well. Uh, Yannick Sinner, how, how much do you rate his chances to go all the way? Very high. Uh, to me, if I, I rate him higher than Alcaraz. So uh, in my book, I'd go uh, Djokovic, Sinner, Alcaraz, Medvedev as my top four. Uh, not quite looking at which um, half everybody's in, but that's yeah. how I'd do it. Oh, okay. What do you think, what do you think Sinner possesses 
that he can uh, go as far as you think he can go? Well, he's beaten Djokovic a couple of times and uh, Davis Cup. Um, you know, sure, it was the best of three sets in that particular match. And then he turned around and beat him in doubles as well. I, you know, he, he's, he's good. He is, he is really good and he's understanding himself. You know, he's, he's always been improving and he's started to improve even more and even more. But now he actually understands how to play the game, whereas someone like Holger Rune uh, doesn't so much. He hasn't quite figured that out just yet. Neither is someone like Ben Shelton. To, to them, it's just, I'll hit the ball hard and that'll try and hit it harder. Yeah. If I can't go for a winner on this one, I'll go for a winner on the next shot. No, you don't need to. Whereas Sinner has no real weaknesses at this stage. Well, certainly none that we can see so far. And I think he's just feeling very settled with himself and understanding of the game. That's one of the key things of any sports person. You understand yourself and you understand the game. Dominor, it looks like he's in a, in a mini purple patch to start the new season. At the seeded 10th, genuinely how far can he go? He didn't have to work too hard. He got a walkover on when, when Raonic pulled out. So what do you think? Ah, uh, the demon. Yeah, they love the demon. They love the demon. Spain. Yeah, even though he lives in Spain and has done for a long time. But no, he, he's, he's great to watch, actually. I, I like him in the sense that he's underrated because everybody thinks, oh, he doesn't hit the ball very hard. He's not massively big. He's a counter-puncher, blah, blah, blah. Actually, he's one of the fastest players. He's up there probably with Nadal when he was at his fastest around the court. He's incredibly quick, and he does hit the ball very hard. But people think, you know, I, you know, he's not really putting that much effort into it or anything like that. I like his uh, draw, and I'm just looking at it now. He could come through the uh, quarter with Rublev, Rublev the other. He struggled a little bit, huh? He had he was yeah, pushed yeah. by the uh, Seaboth Wild, the the Brazilian, and yeah. it, it went mainly went to five and tiebreaker in the last ten six. Exactly. Well, look, we've got a quarter there that has uh, Sinner, uh, Deminar. Um, and who else? Rublev in there. So that, that's an interesting one as to who could come through there. Rublev's been the guy that everybody likes. There was great uh, footage of him walking down the corridor, uh, the player's corridor, where it's kind of like the cool dude that everybody likes at school, <laughs> just walking down the corridor, people doing fist pumps. Just like you, eh? Just and like he, you, Dave. Yeah, well, yeah, kind of. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was just one of those guys down the corridor where everybody's just doing high fives and stuff, and he's just like walking along. Extremely talented, extremely likable Rublev, but as you said, he was pushed. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's uh, one of the guys who can make the quarterfinals every single Grand Slam, but not progress any further from there. Dave, when you uh, armchair critics look at look at draws and they go, oh gosh, they've done, they've had to go five sets in the first round. Oh, that's, that's going to hurt them along the way. Does it really hurt them, or does it just show them what they can do? Well, your, your ideal win would be perhaps what Yannick Sinner did. Yeah. Uh, a couple three. of days ago, that he got yeah three, but he got taken to five and had to, you know, had to bite a little bit and actually had to grind out a couple of games. So he still won in straight, had one tough one that he could have lost, and then had to recover and then had to actually focus for the next two sets. But he didn't drain himself either physically or mentally. If you play five sets where you just come off completely drained and you're exhausted, you know, both mentally and physically, you've got to recover. Whereas uh, the way that Sinner won. Yeah, he actually had to fight hard initially and then had to focus a bit because he knew that he could uh, drop a point here and there or drop a game here and there. So I believe that that's one of the matches that you want. Uh, I'm not sure about the Djokovic one, that he just looked incredibly drained physically and mentally after that. But then mm -hmm. he's got well, two days to recover.
Alcaraz, yes, no. Well, you know what? After his Wimbledon uh, win over Djokovic, I was thinking, okay, that's showing me something really good. Yet, since then, very inconsistent. Uh, I'm not sure yet. I really want to watch him play a couple of rounds here to actually see if he can, uh, you know, if he's showing something. If he's showing a bit of maturity and if he's, you know, you don't have to hit every ball as hard as possible. A drop shot shouldn't take that much energy out of you. You know, this is, it's kind of like a right-handed Nadal in many ways. You don't need to put your whole oomph into every single shot. Uh, uh, so good I, call. I don't know. I just, I just want to see it. You know, you, when, you, when you see him play, you think, really? Did you need to put that much energy into that shot? Hmm. Hey, I, I, want, I want your read on uh, no lines, people. Uh, it's all electronic now. Yeah, it's, it's been um, happening now for a couple of years. And it's, and it's a bit Has weird. It? The first really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, at the um, US Open, certainly. And uh, it's kind of, it, it's a little bit different to get used to. Because you, you're looking, you hear the call, and you're thinking, oh, hang on, who did that? Where'd that come from? Um, and it's, it's, it really is a bit strange to get used to, but it's, uh, I guess, progress. Um, they want to have it at the majority of uh, ATT tournaments, but the cost is fairly big. Uh, I'm not sure how, how much it is. I don't know, maybe 50K per court or something like yeah. that. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like the, how it is here. Um, or how it was sort of in Auckland where you can check, um, you know, that if you didn't like the call, where well, you can actually ask for, you know, one of your, one of your calls and say, hey, um, let's, uh, let's check that. Yeah, um, yeah. to me, the human frailty or, um, you know, the players hit the ball out, so what's wrong with the umpire getting it incorrect slightly every now and then? And the 10-point tiebreak, when did they introduce that to the majors? Well, at one stage, uh, about four years ago, we had all four Grand Slams with different ways of finishing off a fifth set. That's right. It was hilarious. You know, it was like at Wimbledon, you, you just keep on going forever. The US, well, they couldn't handle that, so they made it as short as possible. Then uh, the French did something else because they're French. And then here in Australia, I think it was 10 that they went to. Okay. Uh, it, it was just all over the place. And even, even now, you're looking at it and go, hang on, are we, which tiebreaker are we doing now? Are we doing that one? Are we either doing the 10 or are we doing the uh, okay. US that is 7? Yeah. And, and just to confuse things because it's tennis, let's make it even more confusing. So, yeah. Okay. okay. So that was a new one to me, so maybe I've, my, I've been walking around with my eyes closed. Okay, who wins the whole lot, Dave, and the men's? I have to say Djokovic if I was putting money on it. Hart, though, is yeah, looking maybe at someone like Sinner. All right, mate. I always appreciate your insight because you've been there for so long, Dave. Twenty-five years. I hope you're going to. I hope you're going to celebrate somehow at the end of all this. Well, yeah. Leaving at two thirty this morning was a great celebration. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Not. Thanks for your time, buddy. As always, Dave Worsley, live out of Melbourne Park. Twenty-five years he's been going. That is some sort of effort, uh, and also to just deliver us some some insight as to what's going on at the Open. It's uh, ten to five.